0: Welcome, this is episode 76, Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wasey. That was Default. Oh, you gotta turn your mic Canadian
1: on, bro. Great, great Canadian <laughs> rock band, Default. <laughs> and Default... It's Default Day on the pod. It's funny It's because funny when people find out that Dallas Smith was the lead singer <laughs> Default. Like, it blew my mind. When man. I first heard Dallas Smith on the radio, like, on country radio, I was You're like, like man, this voice sounds super familiar. I and feel then, like I know this guy. And then someone's like, yeah, that's the lead singer Default. I'm like, oh, shit. Because Default was, like, literally the band of, uh, like... They're, like, one of the biggest Canadian rock bands, like, ever, probably.
0: Yeah, probably pretty good. But they're kind of, like... But they're kind of underground, too,
1: though, right? Like, well, I they, would they, say, like... They, like They'd be like along with the lines, like not quite OLP, like early peace, like kind of yeah. along that lines. Like they're like Canadian,
0: like I probably, would say like B level
1: Canadian rock band. They probably they probably had a few hits in the states, and like they're I think they so. a lot of str- like they're Spotify. They have a lot of streams on Spotify. Yeah, like the song I just played, "Count on Me," has six million streams, and like "Wasting My Time" has thirty four million streams. So oh, okay, like, I'd say like they're like one pretty of the, big. Yeah, but just like
0: kind of a little, a little.
1: Underground still though. That's probably why, and that's probably why people didn't know that he was a lead singer of Default. Yeah, when Dallas Smith, because he's like been, he's been great in country music. I oh, think, yeah. Anyways, Def,
0: I I saw him one time at JP Veach's place. I, we had JP had a party and Default mm-hmm. was there. I don't know if they actually were, like performed because I was I was pretty pretty messed.
1: I up. Remember the the year the but. Global Cup was in Edmonton, Dallas Smith played at the Cfr. But then he, I was at, we were at the bar at Knoxville's after, and then he, they came to party, and then they, they came up on stage and sang like four songs. Really, it was like awesome. and put them in
0: default stuff too. Well, no, they sang Some
1: like Dallas, and then they turns. sang like some like two or three default songs. It was awesome. Oh really? Yeah, they do it at every concert, man. I think that's sweet. I like that. Ah, that's shit. Yeah, That's yeah, so pretty neat. Cool. So
0: we decided to be to be, we decided that it should be default day because at when we were Thanksgivinger, We were playing brought, Xbox. Was it that was default? Oh, it was we, Xbox. Okay. Yeah, we're
1: playing because we had playing dropping music. We're dropping into Vernance. <laughs> and you threw in, you threw
0: in some default. I thought it was Thanksgivinger, but I think yeah. that I think Thanksgivinger was too. pretty
1: wild. Let's talk about that. <laughs> That's the first potluck. Supper. I was thinking about this earlier. That's the first potluck supper that I've successfully brought something that I've made homemade. Really? Yeah.
0: And it was shot. It was 27 still alcoholic. Years old. It was still alcoholic, Hey man, involved, it's a start.
1: It's a start. Cut me some slack.
0: I'm not. I'm. Yeah, I'm not. They were a hit. They were a hit. <laughs> I was just giving you like a little bit of a jab. Just because it was kind of funny. Twenty
1: seven years old. And it was what was it? A pumpkin whipped cream. It cinnamon? was butterscotch pudding mix, pumpkin oh. spice liqueur, oh. Irish cream liqueur, and oh. some whipped cream. Some whipped cream. Some it was cream. really, it was, I, I they enjoyed were good. it. I, they were awesome.
0: It really kind of kick-started, like, it, like, it really kick-started thanksgiving like, or, hey? Man, the best it really we were playing the
1: golf. So, <laughs> that was so, great. <laughs> so, to, like, give people some context, my best friend Preston hosted some, uh, a thanksgiving party for under all of us. Under 15 friends with, people. Under 15 people, we were, we yep. were safe. Buy the books. And, uh, he has this little g- golf game, it's like a mini, mini, mini golf, it's on the tabletop and has a little mm-hmm. steel ball that you try and putt into the hole. And we made a drinking game out of it, obviously, as people do, because it's Thanksgiving. And like, it we got it got super wild. We were listening. We were like taking shots of vodka. If you like, for the person with the highest strokes. I think at yeah. one point I was taking. I got a hole in one. I took a shot anyways because it was awesome.
0: Well, you're supposed to because if you get a hole in one. Yeah, exactly. And there's yeah. like
1: the hole in one club that everybody. Well, Storm had like one of the best like walk off like, like hole in ones of them all. It was sweet. <laughs> she even did like a club flip. <laughs> I I That's skipped the dishes and a bottle of pink Whitney. <laughs> <laughs> It was a pretty big Sunday. Yeah. Just saying. What do, so in talking about Thanksgivinger, what are you most thankful for, Ted? Oh, just throw the a a year twenty in the, in the year like twenty twenty.
0: What am I most thankful for?
1: Yeah, considering oh, all facts considered,
0: thankful for my health, family, friends. Um, what else would I say? The wiener dog Eleanor. I'm thankful for her. I was gonna say Storm first, but like <laughs> you're like. I thought I was a family friend, everybody. Like, your family storm. So you're just right up there. Looking at me like, oh, I'm good. Ted's downstairs. one. That's a one way <laughs> ticket to the Doghouse uh, for Ted. Oh, uh, what, <laughs> what about me? <laughs> Obviously, you're, on, you're like number one. Thanks. Um, thankful for all the people that are, that are supporting Cowboy shit, the podcast. That's pretty cool, man. And the gear. I mean, you've seen like five people on Tinder already. I have. I hands. have. Wearing the gear. Getting so. some support from our friends. Yeah, We're in, like, that.
1: what, seven stores now?
0: I think more. I'd have to list them all out, but check it out. We just did a new website, cowboyshit.ca. Yeah, We've got everybody listed out. there. A few new ones that just came online. Uh, Big Valley Sales and Fabian. opening a Ranch. Wainwright. You've got uh, uh, Westlock. Westlock is the, the Outback. Barhead Back 40. The Outback Steakhouse. Keddie's is online That's now. That's huge. Keddie's. nice. Uh, this, later this week. By the time you see this show, we might have our stuff over to Cowtown. Saskatoon, Regina, in maybe town, some out of that. town. Got to be Cowtown. Got to be Cowtown. Um, what else? There's there's a lot of stores. Tom's Boots and Stettler. Uh, a few that have been online for a while now. Western Stockman in the Lethbridge. Cowboy Country in Nanton. Irvin's. Irvin's. No frontier yet. Irvin's in uh, over by Crossfield. Uh, Jones Boys in Pinoka and Red Deer. Now after the, nice. the day. Um So yeah, we're taking for over the support. world. Thanks for supporting us. Uh, we're in two provinces. You know, gonna be yeah. Lawson's in in North Battleford as well um so yeah thanks for supporting us thanks for checking out the stuff it's almost christmas get your stuff get your orders in cowboy check it out yeah well, I'm have to, i have to to sauce the other
1: uh to sauce together promo waste code? 10 promo code for christmas <laughs> or something for the people get the people work ordering some it. stuff We'll
0: work <laughs> on it for the for our for our listeners we'll do maybe do a promo we'll see christmas. anyways what are you thankful for
1: um on this definitely like obviously like my health and being able to do the stuff I like to do. I think um also I'm thankful of being able to like continue to like like work on my degree and be able to finish that soon and um yeah, that's that's about it right now. You're probably <laughs> thankful to be almost done school. Oh man. Aren't you done at the end of this semester? Yeah, yeah. So I gotta I'll Officially? be in the new year, I'll be uh a grad, a new grad. It's it's kind of it's scary in the sense that it's no, really you have to it's, go to work. It's well, not even <laughs> that. Not even that. I have to go to work. Like I, I want to get to work. Like so yeah, bad. You're ready, I yeah. want some like stability and to start the next chapter, kind of thing. That's kind of where I'm at. But it's scary to be a new grad in the sense that it's so like it's so much uncertainty and like finding jobs is really hard right now. Like you're comp- there's so much competition for like there's people with ten years experience applying for entry level jobs in a lot of industry, mm-hmm. right? So. I think that's the scariest thing, but I'm I'm thankful like for that. I'm thankful that I get to start the next chapter soon for sure. Yeah, I that's like it. it. Yeah, and then like yeah, my friends and family, and I'm thankful I got to have a a fun summer and all that kind of stuff. It's kind of all it is, and it's nice that we're. I'm thankful that we're able to like play hockey and stuff again. Like it was gonna, it was shaping up to yeah. be a really weird winter, and it, it is a weird winter. like for me right now. It's kind of I've kind of in like, this weird spot where it's so slow like I'm used to being on the go this time of year a lot and it's I'm spending a lot more time at home which is weird for me Mm -hmm. but I'm thankful we do have like we're like two or three skates per week now which is good kind of get out and get some exercise so I'm thankful for that as well
0: oh yeah we're gonna have lots of hockey this winter and we're gonna have you know we've been on the road last little while with all the sales stuff so Mm -hmm. it's been pretty busy that way but it's been yeah it's been great and and we had a really fun show uh we recorded this morning with with the PBR CEO Sean Gleason Mm -hmm. had a great chat went a little over time Hopefully that wasn't too big. Too big, deal. big deal. I'm sorry.
1: We were a little long. It's a good conversation though. Like we talked about some really yeah. cool points that don't really get talked about and you hear like don't get to hear like guys of that of that level of a business mm-hmm. talking about kind of like some of the processes and like stuff outside. So it was a really cool interview, I thought.
0: Oh yeah. I I really enjoyed it. And talking about kind of getting his perspective on the greatest of all time yeah. too yeah. in respect to the you know, the PRCA and and the structure. Like I don't think we talked about
1: that before no. where the road, the structure of rodeo, like it's it's definitely that was a great. Definitely. I love that point you brought up about that. Like, that was really, really good about like the whole structure thing. And, and I think some people don't realize how long he's been in, in the sport for, like yeah, 20 years, like that's damn near as long as I've been alive.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and and he's seen it from the very beginning to, to where it is yeah. now. Like, it's yeah. it's grown, it's been quite the change, quite the journey, you know, and and for him, like, he. Not a, he was not above going and cleaning the shoots. Like he had the frickin' spray bottle and the rag with the disinfectant at the first few events. Like he was on the shoots cleaning stuff. You don't like, see
1: Gary Bettman going and doing swabs for the boys. <laughs> yeah. in the bubble,
0: right, <laughs> right. Where like Sean was on there. Like he just yeah. he just wants it to succeed. And and he and part of the thing too is that I think he wants to see rodeo succeed too. Where it's kind of almost uh, uh, it would hurt him that it's not doing as well as it could because he's a fan of Western sport. Like mm-hmm. I think he's a fan of. What he's—it's important for rodeo to succeed, I think. And it's it, the way it's set up; it's tough for it to be, it's tough for it to be to successful. One well, the like, way that it's
1: set up, right? Like we've talked about it countless times. I think, and uh, he mentions it too in the interview where, um, and I kind of was exposed with with the COVID. pandemic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. It totally. That, that, it's, it's forcing rodeo and the organizations like look themselves in the mirror and be like, what do we have to do to to make this work? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Absolutely.
0: And and points out of a couple of factors that they, there's no reason that rodeos have to go either, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. with BBR, there's a, there's actually a reason for them to keep going. Like it's it, you know they have a reason to do it. And with rodeo, like I don't know, it's just a, it's a tough deal with when rodeo is not produced essentially. So well, yeah. we yeah. won't give away too much of it here. We've already done. Yeah, got got a lot of extra. But uh, um, thanks for uh, for listening to us again. Uh, the 75th show went out on our last last episode there. Thanks again to Craig craig guthrie and chance butterfield for being on it and and visiting with us had a great response haven't even got cussed out by anybody yet on the on the list and how we did it (laughs) if we did it wrong or not so so uh yeah thanks again for listening uh here we go on on our our trek to 100 we're at uh this is 70 today 76 here's sean gleason coming up next Welcome, the CEO and Commissioner of the Professional Bull Riders, former guest, episode number twenty-five from Pueblo, Colorado. We think today, I guess, Mr. Sean Glees And Sean, how are you today?
2: Good. How are you doing?
0: Oh yeah, we're doing good. We're uh, you know just trying to survive a global pandemic and and uh, like everyone else, end winter to boot. We have snow. We have winter snow now. Winter is here. <laughs> yeah.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: We. I didn't confirm where you're at today, Sean. Where? Are you in Pueblo, or are you uh, on the road somewhere, or where are you at today?
2: I am. I'm in Pueblo, uh, working from the RV, which has been the office, hotel, and transportation since all this started. So. I,
0: and I guess quarantine central as well, too, isn't it? When yeah. You have to do that. How uh, how have things been for you, though, Sean? This has been probably the most, well, easily the most challenging year ever for yourself and the professional bull riders, hasn't it?
2: Uh, you know, it's been a challenging time for everybody in the world. Uh, you know, we as a sport had to overcome a lot of obstacles that uh, you know were put in front of us as a result of pandemic and and uh, health health considerations. And so it's, uh, but I'm, I feel fortunate that we've been able to chart a path forward. This weekend we'll finish the regular season and uh, and we'll move on to the world finals.
1: And the, and the PBR was the first professional sport back to competition. Talk about that process and how that came to be.
2: Yeah, we were actually the last to, to suspend operations. We had an event in Duluth, Georgia in mid-March with no fans. And I think it was the uh, probably the first event that had no fans in in North America or any, perhaps anywhere in the world. And, uh, and then we put, uh, plans and protocols together and we started bucking bowls again, uh, mid to late April and Guthrie, Oklahoma and, and, uh, concluded some events for our television partner, CBS, and went to Las Vegas for a month of TV-only events and then had the first event back with fans in, in mid-July. And so we uh, we really haven't had a whole lot of downtime, frankly, from COVID, and, and we're fortunate because our industry is dependent on having, ev- having events.
1: Well, and this led to some interesting formats, too, like with the whole team format you guys talked about or you talked about in Vegas. Maybe you touched on that a little bit.
2: Yeah, you know, we uh, when we realized that uh, it was going to be a considerable amount of time before we could get back in front of fans, um, and certainly the the unknowns and the uncertainty around uh, when we were going to be able to resume regularly scheduled events, we came up with a plan to deliver content for our TV partner CBS. Uh, we're able to work out a deal with South Point in uh, the city of Las Vegas. Uh, to hold, I think, probably some of the, again, some of the first events that were held in a major city, even without fans. And to do that, we didn't have any regularly scheduled events on the schedule. And we've uh, got a, a developing team strategy that's been very successful for us in a few other places and decided to go for it. We had a month of of uh, very exciting and compelling team events in, in Las Vegas that led up to the first event back with fans in Sioux Falls
1: is that team format something you can see happening more often in the future?
2: Uh, Absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's a phenomenal sporting event. It's a, a great format. It's, uh, the bull riders love it. The, uh, I call them the old timers, which I include myself in, but those of us that have been around the sport for, um, 20 plus years at PBR, you know, it's the best format of bull riding that we've ever seen in terms of, Competition structure and um, the camaraderie and the and the lift that really bull riders get by riding for others as well as themselves and. So it's something that you can't expect to see more of down the line, including December fifth uh, from the USS Lexington aircraft carrier.
0: That uh, so, and that'll yeah, that's going to be a team event three three by five. Is it fifteen guys or was it five by three? I forget what. The yeah, it'll be were.
2: five team, Five teams of three is the format for that event. Um, it's an hour live CBS broadcast, and, uh, and we're pretty excited about it. For that, a pretty special place
0: that's just gonna to be totally amazing like I, I remember hearing kind of rumblings about that on the aircraft carrier and there's you guys are actually gonna get the bulls on the the air like on the ship via the plane elevator is that correct like are they gonna just be kind of is it gonna be kind of like New York City and at MSG or like with the ramp or what's it gonna look like
2: well it's uh you know it is uh, a functioning it's not in, uh, it's not floating, it's a museum, but it's still a fully functioning aircraft carrier. And so, yeah, we'll use the aircraft lift uh, to get bowl of dirt and uh, everything up to the deck and uh, set up the a bowl riding facility and host a handful of fans and special guests. And um, it's kind of our way of uh, giving the middle finger to 2020, which has been a difficult <laughs> year, and and really just you know if you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly bear and finish off the year with a bang
0: what uh, what was the process of getting that event to happen that like that's we, you've you've bucked bulls at you know Times Square in New York and you've bucked bulls in Huntington Beach, California but this probably has to be one of the most challenging places to have a bull riding
2: yeah I mean times square hollywood center of hollywood boulevard uh, newport beach we've done some pretty iconic uh, special events for our television partner c b s and uh, this one's been on the agenda for quite a while a number of years that we've talked about it and you know in the current climate that we're in and the challenges that we faced it it probably wasn't the the best time to try and undertake it, but you know we're we're consistent with our b cowboy mantra it's you know, when, when times are tough, you get up, dust yourself off and figure out unique and interesting ways to keep moving forward. And and this was one of them. And so we've been able to, to put this together this year and, um, was a lot of work by the team to get the logistics sorted out that we can buck bulls anywhere. So we'll prove it by doing it on an aircraft carrier and Corpus Christi, Texas.
0: Speak, speaking of that, what what else do you got in the works? Can you t- can you let us <laughs> in on <laughs> insider info? Is the next one the moon, or like where <laughs> where are we going next?
2: Um, we've got a few ideas for some interesting locations, but I think this year we'll focus on Corpus and the aircraft carrier, as well as the the World Finals that had to move, you know, in a very short period of time from the traditional home in Las Vegas to AT and T Stadium in, in Arlington, and uh, you know, we're really excited about that. It's uh, it's We'd love to be in the home that we've held the World Finals for 26 years, but that just wasn't in the cards. And so if you've got to move, there's no better place to move than the biggest sports venue in the world, the heart of Cowboy Country in Arlington, Texas.
0: And you uh, you actually had to make that call within a pretty short amount of time. What was that whole process like to move the Finals to Arlington and Cowboy Stadium?
2: Well, you know, it, it's uh, we had obligations to Las Vegas, and we wanted to hold it there, and we held out as long as we could. But, you know, frankly, the governor there doesn't have a very progressive plan in place for uh, getting their, his state and the city of Las Vegas back to work. And, um, you know, I don't, I'm not even sure that our industry-leading protocols got to got a fair shake or review from his staff. And so we were forced to make this decision on pretty short notice. And it took eight days from the, the day that we were released from our obligations in Las Vegas to the day that I flew to Arlington and announced the event and planned for the world finals at AT AT&T stadium. Uh, we had done a lot of kind of, we knew we were going to have to have contingencies, but, um, Candidly, AT and T wasn't on the list of places we could go until that day, and then we started uh, looking at all the options we had in front of us, and it just happened to be uh, the a week after our normally scheduled World Finals um, was the bye week for the Dallas Cowboys. And they've been great partners, and they um, they put it together, helped us put it together in a pretty short period of time.
0: The uh, the moving it to Arlington, this is a one year only thing, just so everyone knows, too, right? That was uh,
2: right, yeah. As of now, it's a one year plan for dealing with the challenges we face with COVID. And, um, we intend to be back in Las Vegas in 2021, but you know, we're not certain what the future holds in terms of um, guidelines and restrictions from local government.
0: And part of this agreement was that the Global Cup in 2021 will be in Las Vegas, too, correct? As long as things uh, go the way they're sp- we're hoping they do.
2: Yeah, we would, uh, you know, part of this plan was that we wanted to, uh, continue to support our friends in Las Vegas. Las Vegas has been, um, our second home and has been just an incredible partner over the years in terms of, um, hosting and supporting the PBR World Finals and other events. So, uh, with us going to AT&T Stadium, the normal home for the Global Cup here in the U.S., we, uh, we worked through the the deal with the Cowboys and others, and our intentions would be to bring a Global Cup to uh, T-Mobile Arena in April. But that's a lot of that's going to depend on the governor and and what he's willing to do in terms of uh, safe and responsible plans to get his his state and the city of Las Vegas back to work. I w-
0: I want to uh, I want to talk about the I want to talk about the uh, Arlington and the venue there. In I don't I don't know if it was. Now, if it was 2017 or 2018, I'm forgetting the year, but it was like, it was 46,000 people and, and that, you know, at t was mostly, like it was, it was sold out for what you guys had for seats available. You're going to have to open up a bunch more, a bunch more seats and bring more people in to be able to have more people. But it was, uh, as far as I can tell and as far as what I know and what I've researched that it was the most live attended Western sports exclusive event ever, the Iron Cowboy and in the, it was in the last few years. I just forget what year it was, but it was like forty-six thousand people. And like you can compare it to, you know, compare it to Houston or you compare it to San Antonio or some of these other big venues. But they all have a concert after. And you know, as a lot of us know inside the industry, like folks don't show up to watch the rodeo part right at the beginning. Like this was this was a bull riding only event drawing forty-six thousand people. That that was a big deal in in the Western sports world.
2: Yeah. I, you know, to be perfectly honest, I hadn't really thought about it as relative to, you know, other events and and whether or not it was the biggest, but Brett Hoffman from uh, the Fort Worth Star-Telegram actually was the one that brought it up and said, he can't find another event that in the Western sports landscape that has had more people attend, um, you know, for a performance. And so I think maybe we do have that. I, I, you know, that record. I don't know that uh, I care, to be perfectly honest. I mean, <laughs> you know, our goal is to continue to push forward and growth in every market we go to, whether we're in at and Stadium, Madison Square Garden, or uh, Denial in Billings, Montana. And, and all of those things vary in terms of the size of venue that we have to deal with. And, uh, but, you know, I think it's, there's a lot of uncertainty in the consumer marketplace about uh, COVID, but our job, you know, the things that we've been doing to get PBR back on track, and we, uh, I think, we will be the only sport at the end of the year that largely completed everything it set out to complete, including conducting events in front of fans in the summer and fall. Um, you know, it's, uh, but it's, it's because we created protocols that allow riders, contestants, stock contractors, and our fans to be safe and responsible coming out to our events. AT&T gives us plenty of room to socially distance. It's a a building that can hold close to 100,000 people that we're capping at 18,000. We'll see, but I I think that the numbers and history might suggest that that we'll have some huge crowds, uh, albeit socially distanced, for uh, the four days that we're con- conducting world finals in November,
0: eighteen thousand is is quite comparable to T-Mobile on on the busiest nights. It, it should be should give you and give the PBR an opportunity to not be too far behind what Las Vegas does. Correct?
2: It should, but there's you know we've seen it in the events that we're conducting across the country that people are still uh, reticent to come out and and put themselves in a situation where there are gatherings or other people. I think, uh, you know, a big part of what we need to do is just really educate people that uh, this is about as safe and responsible as you're going to get going out of your house, you know, with the ingress and egress protocols and uh, the socially distanced seating and the the other things that are in place to ensure that people don't have to get into crowds or get, you know, stand in packed lines. You know, if you've been to the PBR World Finals in T-Mobile, You know, before the doors open, there's twenty thousand people or fifteen thousand people, you know, packed out in the pavilion on a Saturday night and trying to get in. And there's three inches of space between people. That's that's not the circumstances that they're going to encounter here. It's uh, it's going to be safe and responsible, and everybody that wants to be socially distanced and protect themselves will certainly have that opportunity.
0: I've been we've been watching uh, I've been watching some of the football games. How does it work on the concourse right now? I've I was been kind of curious about that. What that looks like when everybody's you know at intermission or at the break between the long round and the short round on on the last day. What what does the what does the concourse look like? How how is that working for for these events now?
2: But, you know, it depends on the concourse, obviously. But um, you know, they're they're much like going to your local Walgreens, you know, people are asked to to have traffic flow going in certain directions and uh, to avoid you know anybody bumping into one another and uh there's markings and spaces on the on the ground that help people recognize what a safe social distance line might look like um you know we do have some sponsor activations but there's plexiglass and ppe and and various protocols that are put in place to protect both the athletes and celebrities as well as the as well as the fans and so it's you know it's the it's the world we live in and and at the end of the day um, you know there's PBR has been recognized for some industry for its industry leading protocols uh, but a lot of it's just common sense and it's about giving people the opportunity to be responsible uh, when they want to be some people don't some people haven't been as socially distanced or isolated as others some people. You know prefer a mask, and some don't and our job isn't necessarily to, necessarily to dictate to everybody how they should feel and attend an event. Our job is to provide an environment so that those that want to be safe and responsible can be and that's what we've been doing, and we don't have any incidents that have been reported of any cases, let alone you know spread events or outbreaks.
0: I want to go back our
2: share cases internally, but yeah, but we've caught them all.
0: You know? I, w- I want to go back to uh, the formats and and the you know you've got the iron cowboy that's been around for probably about six or seven years now and then you've got the last cowboy standing which goes back to probably 2014 or so I'd, I'd have to look back at the exact numbers but um, what uh how do those how do those come about and what are the what are the what's the process like to create these new formats like the the team format at the south point would have been kind of a uh, I guess I would say a a variation of the global cup uh, format, but these other ones are kind of maybe taken from other sports. I guess, I guess Iron Cowboy goes back to AT&T and back like 2010 or 11 when Colby Yates won, I think the first one anyways, but like, how do these come about and who's, I guess part of the, is it the competition committee that makes those, those events and makes them happen? It I'm, I'm curious about that and what else we might see or if we're kind of like, there's always innovation, but I'm, I'm curious that way about what, what might be on the forefront and, and be in the works.
2: Well, you know, there, that is the kind of the hallmark of PBR in the Western sports world is innovation. And, um, you know, some people look at that and they think it's sacrilege to break certain traditions and, you know, it's, um, it, it takes its fair share of criticism when we try to change something or introduce a team concept to something that's never had teams in it. Uh, but it's really about, uh, just the constant culture that we have of breaking the mold, I mean when we first introduced bullfighters in uniforms as sports uh, figures as opposed to wearing baggies and makeup, you know everybody said that the world was coming to an end um, from the traditional core of, of our audience and our constituents, mostly our constituents but but what those things do is open up the sport to um, better fan engagement, which leads to audience growth, which leads to success. And so most of those formats start with, uh, the basic question of what can we do to make the event more entertaining for our fans? And then we sit down and look at, at options and things that we could do. And there's, you know, for every good idea, there's a hundred bad ones, but we, uh, we narrow it down and then and look at it and create formats so i think it's you know the last cowboy standing format is a very successful format for us for many years and um and it really just stemmed from having fans understand uh casual fans primarily understand that the guy that rides the most bowls and outlasts his competitors is the guy that's going to win the event and it's really easy for somebody to understand that when you explain it to them and as opposed to, well, you take you know two rounds, and then the top fifteen come back for a championship round, and then the top three scores in aggregate win the event. You know, it's we take it for granted because we've been around bull riding for a long time. But those formats, the traditional format, is fairly difficult for a casual new person to to embrace and understand right out of the gate. Um, so some some people would say, oh, well, that's their problem, not not ours, because <laughs> we do understand it. Uh, I look at it the other way like our job is to bring as many people into the sport and engage with it as possible
0: so uh, you guys have had to have thought about about turning these team formats maybe in some capacity into like like rather than a sponsor team like the like the team challenge is it like a, a city team maybe someday or like I don't know I don't know what that might look like like it doesn't seem very feasible for bull riding to have a city team in different areas or like we already kind of have the country like, like, like a like a NHL
1: style or like a yeah
0: we we can't really go to the NHL style of teams. It it has to be a hybrid or something we completely make up like that the PBR completely makes up itself like that. I'm just I'm kind of looking at what that looks like and it having the having a team in one place isn't isn't really conducive to what the way that the PBR works at this point is it like that. There's a lot of there's a lot of things to think about and that the sponsor team challenge was kind of the ideal way to work and you guys had to put that together in about what like two or three weeks tops
2: uh three weeks maybe from beginning to execution uh yeah it's you know there's the the team challenge the monster energy team challenge in vegas um one of the other reasons that i felt like we should push forward we should find it there were a lot of great business reasons um television reasons other reasons that we needed to go and and stay active and keep our people working, but I also wanted to test a number of premises that we've been uh, kicking around for a long time. That event answered a lot of questions for me. I'm not going to answer them for you today, but um, I think there are ways to create geographic fandom uh, with teams. but. I wouldn't have thought that before some of the key learning from the monster energy team challenge. And not that you necessarily saw it executed there, but you know, we were working behind the scenes evaluating a lot of things like the competition format, how many rides in a team makes the most sense to make the best sport, uh, sporting competition. And a lot of other things, we learned a lot from the monster energy team challenge. We're, we're taking that and we're looking at some pretty, uh, you know, Sweeping, long-ranging plans to to make team format competition a regular part of PBR. Uh,
1: you talk about bringing new people into the sport. Is there a market the PBR hasn't been in yet that you want to get to, or that you or could see it moving into in the future?
2: Um, well, if you look on a worldwide basis, uh, you know, eventually Europe and and various countries and venues in Europe are, a, I think, a huge opportunity for us. Um, we have long tried to successfully get into China. Uh, very difficult, but you know the the gating factor in every market that we want to go to on an international basis is the bulls, and you know being able to to get them in, uh, you can rarely if and and probably never get them out once you've got them in a country. So we really have to be prepared for. Uh, long-term strategies with the bulls and breeding programs and other things to tackle a a territory outside of the five we operate in as far as um the u.s and canada are, are concerned um we played most of the markets in in both of those both of those countries and um i can't really think of one that uh that we really really want to get into we actually went to one that i've long wanted to try this year which is lincoln nebraska a uh, little spoiler alert but it's on the schedule for next year hopefully when we're back from covid restrictions
1: and you talk about the next season what is that looking similar to what this past season was like or is it able to open up a bit more
2: uh well that all depends nobody can predict and uh you know we uh we have a good i'd say a good finger on the pulse of what Uh, communities are thinking and venues are are anticipating. We've got a schedule that kicks off the first week of January like normal, but the city's A lot of the cities will be rearranged or we may have to, you know, skip some places where we don't expect COVID restrictions to ease anytime soon. And um, another, I guess I'll give you one more spoiler alert, but uh, symbolically and for a lot of reasons, we're kicking off the 2021 season in Duluth, Georgia, which was the last event that we were able to hold before all of the pandemic hit. So another little symbolic gesture to to cowboy creed we're going to go right back and start it where we left off
0: and then uh is it the same kind of timing in the in the spring i I'd, ideally like uh january to april kind of every weekend if possible then a break in the summer yeah, same pretty, kind of thing
2: yep yeah, pretty pretty close to normal i mean we're uh we're like i said we're probably going to be the only sport that um that actually completed what it set out to start. Now we had to twist and turn and find different cities to hold events and go places that we were welcome. Um, so a lot of the, the venues changed, but if you look at, you know, at what PBR has accomplished, um, we've largely completed exactly what we set out to complete. We've had a regular season. We've had fans in the stands, uh, as many as they'll allow us to have. And, we're going to hold the PBR world finals generally in the time period that we intended to hold it. Um, on top of that, we launched the team series and completed it successfully. And we're going to host an event on an aircraft carrier in December. So, um, we're looking at 2021 that, uh, it's, we're going to keep normal as normal as it can be, uh, as part of our mantra and, and just keep plowing away.
0: We haven't talked much about the competition side of things. I, I, we better get into that a little bit as far as Jose and Jess. And I saw a graphic the other day that compared Jose to, to JB and their first uh, few events, I think, events, first, yeah. three, first three seasons maybe. Um, but yeah. let's talk competition a little while. Jess is out until the finals now. He's got a shoulder issue, I believe, if I remember right. Yeah. Yeah. Shoulder issue. but But let's talk competition for a while and then I want to get into the points after this, but competition this year has been kind of all Jose, hasn't it? Like he's been quite remarkable this year, hasn't he? In the last, well, in no, his he, first three seasons. He's
2: been, he's been dominating. I mean, there, you know, there's a potential race for the world finals. And, uh, you know, every year what we hope is that uh, we have the best possible race among the leaders and that, um, you know, that that we go into the world finals with a, uh, the opportunity kind of for the finals to change your leaders on a daily basis. That's good sports. That's great competition. That's what we love. It's what gives you goosebumps. And, you know, regardless of who's in the driver's seat, but pretty hard to disguise the fact that Jose is dominating everybody this year. There's been a lot of injuries and, and time loss from guys like Jess and Chase outlaw and, uh, Cooper and, um, Kaiki and others that, you know, they had to miss a whole lot of events. And so Jose has been healthy, but, um, but it's not just because he outlasted the others. The kid is riding 73% of his bowls, And, uh, you know, if he keeps that up, he'll be, he'll break Silvano's record in terms of the number of world titles he wins and and he'll challenge all that came before him for, for the GOAT, the greatest of all time. But he's got a lot to prove. He's, he's working on his first world title, not his third. So um, you know, we'll see where things met out over the future years. But he is he is phenomenal. Like, I mean, they like, he can ride bulls like uh, only the best the in history you can compare him to.
1: When it comes to José, what do you think it is that sets him apart from the rest of the crowd and make him so dominant?
2: Um I think a lot of it is his mental attitude and his approach to, to the sport. He's very focused as an athlete, uh, very committed. Um, he's got the, obviously the raw talent in terms of his, he's got the right, uh, build and size and strength. Uh, his balance is incredible. Um, but I think the thing that really sets him apart is he's so focused on on winning and being the best that he can possibly be he works his, at his at his profession um more than anybody i've seen in a long time and and takes it very seriously and so it's you know bull riding is mostly mental I've, you know i've never gotten on one but i can tell you from you know 22 years of, of watching the best in the world compete that when they're in the right frame of mind mentally, and they're focused on, on what their goals are, they ride at a better level than the others.
0: You you mentioned the greatest of all time. And I've been really, we've been making a bunch of lists up here the last, uh, you know, in the last year about who is the greatest of all time. And, and we've kept it in Canada mostly so far, but we've got, I've got a bit of a, I've got a point structure that we've built that we've used for, for ranking people objectively up, up here. And we've got, uh, we kind of threw it into the, uh, greatest of all time in the, in the bull riding side of things with the PRCA and the PBR. So let's get right to some controversy. How much more, how many more points do you think a PBR world title should be compared to a PRCA world title? I, I, I'm trying to answer this question and we're, we're wondering if it's, if it's the same, it would have been the same. We're going to, we're going to rank the PRCA the same for before the PBR, And then, but then during and and the difference now, like, I wonder how much tougher it is. Like, I, I, this is a question I really want to answer and I want to figure it out. Like, is it Donnie Gay on top with the eight world titles? Is, is Sage maybe there? But like, I don't know if I believe it right now when you're going against guys like Jess and JB and Adriano and Silvano. Like, I'm curious what your thoughts are, Sean.
2: Well, I think you have to, you know, when you talk about comparing the two, you've got to weight it relative to time and the time period. And, and the time period is, um, has got to be weighted against who else was competing and, and what bulls were they competing against. I think, you know, any, any PBR bull rider today unquestionably without a doubt on a weekend week out basis faces ranker bulls than any other bull rider in history period and full stop like there were some great bulls back then but on, on the whole you know on the whole against um you know regular rounds and and stuff it was it, there's just flat no no comparison so you've got to give that some weight in terms of consideration then you've got to comp- Uh, compare it against the competitors and how many other greats are they riding against? I think, you know, Donnie Gay's accomplishments at the time were tremendous. I mean, the bull power may not have been all that it was uh, or that it is today, but um, he had to compete against the best in the world week in and week out. And, um, you know, I think today, not to to put down the PRCA in any way, because the title there is the World Championship, if we recognize it as such. And um, but the competitors on a weekend week out basis aren't the same caliber of human competitors, and they're certainly not the same caliber of bull competitors. So um, you, you definitely have to give a PBR World Championship in this era higher weight than a prca championship but if you're trying to get best of all time then you got to go back and and consider a lot of other factors about who is riding and, and when and where
0: i'm uh, i'm i think i gotta ask a few more people and ask a guy like ask a guy like cody teal who's won in the prca and ask joe frost and shane proctor and some of these guys that have been on both sides Boudreaux campbell hasn't won in the prca but i'm i'm curious what he thinks and then i think we gotta ask a guy like sage too and 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 see what they think. And, and, you know, maybe we ask Donnie and ask JB and ask McBride and Jess and see what, and Adriano, see what they think. But like, I I think it's gotta be, I don't know if it's two or three times, but I I think it's considerably more when you actually get down to the numbers on what it's going to be to, to rank these guys. Cause that, you know, the goat gets, the goat term gets, has been thrown so loosely in sport. Yeah. It's
1: kind of a little bit, I've, I've. Uh, it's very. I don't know. Like you said, we'll loose look, we'll look at football. It's like Tom Brady's the goat, or Drew Brees is the goat, or Brett Manning, Favre or is the goat. Brett Go- yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's exact It's a really loose term used in sports nowadays. Well, right now it's J. B.
0: But considering you know, based on this list, he would maybe be. He's in the top ten, but is he number one? He's number one in all time money one and riding the rank is bulls. But if you're talking about world titles, he's got got the two. But is that? I don't know. I, I, it's it's a fun question to answer. I, I'm I was I appreciate you. Touch on it a bit, Sean.
2: Yeah, it's you know it's an interesting question, and it's obviously it's going to be subjective to whoever you're asking uh, and their personal experiences. But you know, based on my 21 years of watching a whole lot of bull riding on both sides, <laughs> PBR, PRCA side, and, and uh, you know, I just know that the bull caliber on a week in, week out, bull to bull basis. There's no let up at the PBR. You've got to bring your A game every single time. Um, you know, and, and I don't, and I know that to not be the case at, at every rodeo that's out there and same thing for competitors. It's, uh, you know, even if we're down a Jess Lockwood or, or somebody else, I mean, if you win a, a PBR Unleash the Beast Tour event, you have beat, you know, several other candidates that are in your GOAT consideration. So yeah, you know, I think that's kind of how you have to look at it. Is um, you know, rank the uh, rank all of the players in terms of you know how much difficulty they had, both human and bull, and then and then weight that to determine what they do week in and week out. I think you know, JB is considered by a lot a lot of people to be the goat, and um, you know he had he's he's had. Phenomenal accomplishments, but there's an argument to be made that maybe he didn't have the same level of competition that Chris Shivers did, um, or even Justin McBride, or uh, you know Ty Murray, or you know some others that you could you could actually come back and say, well, maybe there were more guys on a week in week out basis nipping at their heels, and the accomplishments of the world title was greater in 2001 than it was in uh, you know in
0: 2013 well even even one guy i forgot to mention too was jw harris who made the transition and then in 2014 had a real real run at the in uh, in the pbr and had a amazing world finals road like i think it was 90 points three days in a row or something kind of crazy like that so interesting to see though that yeah
2: I, it, it's it's uh you know it's always um it's rewarding to me when when you finally get to see guys like J.W. Harris and Cody Peel and Boudreaux and, you know, even when Sage comes to, to ride at select PBR events, you know, it's a it's a treat for me to get to see those guys ride um, at, at the level that I've come to know and understand and see on a week-in, week-out basis. Um, but it's always uh, – I'm always uh, dis- disappointed when we don't see them until they're later in their career. I mean – J W. Harris definitely made a run and was you know among the top riders, but he was he was on the downward side of of health and um, and ability in just as a result of age and you know so you always got a question what could they have accomplished in PBR if they had uh, if they had come over and made that commitment i I respect those that choose to go other routes, but you know we want to see the best bull riders in the world. At PBR week
0: in and week out. The uh, one point I had earlier was that I'm like, I'm a big numbers guy and always have been, but looking at the results in the PRCA compared to the PBR, uh, it's not often you see a guy, you know, just hang on for a score and make a big check where, you know, at the NFR you can be 70 points and win 50,000. Like Corey Navarre in you know early the early two thousands or even the last few years, like you can be you can be seventy points and win fifty. A lot grand. more
1: money won on mediocre bull rides in the PRCA. Yeah, as no, as compared to the P. No,
0: no, no offense no slight, against yeah. it. it. just it's just the way things have worked and the way it's way it's gone. But you like I don't know if I've ever seen a seventy some point ride win money in the PBR. Only if it's at a touring pro and just
1: McBride on camo.
0: And yeah, yeah, <laughs> McBride on camo maybe for a million bucks. But like you don't win on mediocre bulls in the PBR.
2: Yeah. Well, one, you win a whole a whole lot more money at the PBR, <laughs> regardless yeah. of which level you're riding at. Uh, you know, it's there's just a lot more money available to bull riders in our sport, and you know that's why we rank our world champions on points, not necessarily money, because it's you know it's got to be earned week in, week out, not just week in and week out, but round by round. And I think you know our point system is hard for some casual fans to understand, but if you dive into um to what it is and what it does. It rewards the best bull riders in the world for the best performances, uh, week in, week out, the money follows. And you know, it's uh it's I think from that standpoint, one of the reasons that, you know, I would I would definitely wait a PBR World Championship um higher is is because there um you know there isn't a I guess a an option to out an event, or draw out because you didn't like the pull you got, or um, you know, choose, pick, and choose the the rodeos that you're going to based on. Who else has entered? You know, it's, it's every week. You've got the same, generally the same 35 guys that you're battling against week in and week out. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of differences between that and deciding that you're going to draw out of a rodeo because you didn't like your bowl and go to a, one where you got one that you think you can get covered. Yeah. You know, it's, to me, that's, that's not necessarily the best sports structure for competition.
0: Well, and you, you mentioned that, and then you could go back to the time when Donny Gay rode, and he had a plane, he flew himself everywhere, and he could get to 125 rodeos, where some guys are making it off 50.
1: When he's still picking and choosing at that point, too, right? Yeah, exactly. Totally picking and choosing. But,
0: so, uh, you mentioned the point system, though, Sean. Uh, it's changed not numerous times over the last uh, probably 8 or 10 years, I guess, really. Are you happy with how it is now? Is there still some changes to come? Uh, what, what does that look like as far as... As far as the points system, I'm curious there.
2: Well, we, we've tweaked it every year. You know, I mean, um, I've taken some criticisms for it because, you know, it's like, well, it was this way last year, it was this way, you know. But but the reality is what we are constantly trying to do is create the most, um, I guess, the, the, the most fair, balanced, and competitively interesting uh, points structure for the sport of bull riding. And um, you know, when under the old point system, uh there was a a trend to um not take rerides and gather as many scores as you possibly could and then, you know, hope that 374s wins the aggregate against, you know, somebody that got 290s. And and as we looked at it as a competition committee, it's like wait a minute that's not what the sport of polar riding is all about it's not a war of attrition or a game of attrition where you know the a whole lot of mediocre performances beats stellar performance so that was really the genesis of the the new point system was rewarding winners and so um you know that's where we started putting more weight into the rounds because a a, a round at, at a PBR event is uh, a regular round at a PBR event is more competitive and more difficult than a short round at almost every rodeo in America. So the, our rounds are worth substantially more in terms of the competition structure. Uh, the aggregate's still critical, but it's not the end all be all. You can go through a season and win. Um, win a whole lot of rounds and finish second, third, fourth, fifth in the aggregate at a, at a lot of events and still win a world championship in our sport. Uh,
1: you touched on earlier about the bull power. Do you think we see a gap between the development of the bull side of things and the development of the rider side of things? And how could we possibly bridge that gap?
2: Uh, yeah, there's a definite gap. I mean, I, I did ask that question a lot. Um, you know, we, we reward our stock contractors uh, by selecting their bulls and, um, and paying the out money and everything else, uh, by, you know, for those that create and produce rancor and rancor and more difficult to ride bulls. And, you know, if you think about, uh, bovine and the cattle, cattle industry in general and bucking bulls specifically, they have a much, much shorter life cycle in terms of, uh, you know, life to death and, and life to, reproduction so every three or four years you're getting a new genetic pool that evolved has evolved and and been managed by a breeder and a stock contractor to produce a a better bucking bull and a better athlete so you know the bulls have turned turned over dozens and dozens of generations since we started this and then you know in the world of athletes we're you know three four generations in and, and it takes a lot longer to really to and breed and train a great bull rider. So I want to you know, minimize human life but, and, and try and break it down to that. But really, you know, the bull riders and their evolution as athletes and their training and their ability to learn and, and adapt, uh, it's just much slower than the bulls in reality. And so I've often said we really need bull rider breeding programs that, uh, you know, that help keep up with the bull power.
0: Since since we can't quite do that, the closest thing we have is the is your your new sports performance center. Let's touch on that.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's the reality is we've got a great athletes, um, and and it and it's a little facetious and uh, and sarcastic to say we need better bull riding breeding programs. But what that really means is we need to train better athletes, and they're it's an individual sport, and it always has been, and so concept of coaching and uh instruction and um somebody somebody kind of telling a bull rider what to do is another foreign concept to a lot of people and in the case of the pbr sport performance center it's um you know we work really hard to get that built and 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 then turn it into reality and for me, it wasn't about necessarily training every single bull rider in Pueblo, Colorado. It's about having a beacon of sport performance that uh, that sends a message to, to athletes of all varieties that bull riding is a sport. Bull riding uh, is very athletic, and you have to train, and you have to be taught how to do it, and that's what we're doing. And We are going to be able to continue that training program both there and in other places, and Uh, We're already seeing results from Smith. You know, Jess Lockwood was really, if you think about it and look back, Jess Lockwood was one of the first bull riders I've seen in my time at PBR that committed himself fully to be trained and and guided and essentially subject himself to uh, instruction and workouts and other things. You know, by living at Cody Lambert's ranch and and taking instruction from Cody Lambert, Justin McBride, Ross Coleman, and others, but really, you know, subjected himself to uh, to listening and to learning from some greats, some people that really not only are greats in the sport, but uh, in my mind, they're the best at being able to articulate what those what those things were that made them great, and so to. To have subjected himself to that and then win, be the youngest world champion and youngest two-time world champion. I think it says a lot about uh, the importance of athleticism, coaching, and training. So the PBR Sport Performance Center is really one step in in continuing to develop our athletes.
0: And I think part of that, the part of the coaching part, goes back to a bit of the Global Cup stuff, where we've you know we can see guys improve, like improve quite a bit over just the The uh the oh what am I trying the The course of the event right and but then you go and look at that on the global cup side and the global cups don't count as points for the world title so there's got to be a kind of a fine line as to what that might look like and what those teams might look like so I can see where you're at well
2: yeah yeah the global you know the teams concept is it was born at the global cup that was really the first team event that was was held in bull riding um. In PBR, and the results were that same guys, same bowls and riding percentages went up significantly. Um, same guys, same bucking shoots, you know, same same concept, and you saw camaraderie and support, and um, you know, sports enthusiasm that you do not see on a weekend, and week out basis, and have never seen in bull riding. And so, uh, you know, the, we do have coaches and, and people that are helping and leading those teams, but the reality is that it's a very short window that they get to advise anybody. They're not teaching them how to bull ride or be better bull riders. They're just bringing them together as uh, as a team. And when you see that camaraderie, and, and then see the lift and the improvement in athletics like success, I guess from you know higher writing percentages and and all that comes with it, um, it tells you that the team format is is not just you know interesting for fans to you know to see guys working together, but they're, it's interesting for bull riders that are now dependent on others for their success as opposed to just themselves
0: the global cup back in Vegas in April of next year hopefully uh, there's likely been talks about it going to Brazil it's been in Canada maybe mexico Australia it was in australia it's been in Australia yeah. as well so. What does that look like? Are we going to get to see it in in, in any other countries coming up, Sean? Is that I, I know it's probably been the plan, but it just hasn't happened yet, hey? Uh,
2: well, you know, we've uh, when we constructed the global cup format and plan, um, one of the things that we had we'd done the World Cup years ago, in a very successful format. We did take it to Mexico, um, we took it to Brazil, and the problem was that. Uh, the format for that basically allowed for a once a year competition, which meant that if you were successful in Brazil and then you moved it to Mexico, then Australia, then to Canada, um, you know, then the U S and then back to Brazil, it was five years in between events. And it's hard to keep interest and momentum for that time. So we really uh, worked hard to structure the current global cup format and business model so that we can take it to multiple places in a year if the schedules permit so we've always intended to uh, to continue to expand it to other countries and territories we we um we plan to have it in in every territory that we operate in it's even a format that we can take to to other countries if if it if it works is bring our best from around the world to uh, abu dhabi and buck bowls and you know, Fight Island, whatever it might be, and so it's a format that we've created that can be mobile. We intended to uh, have one or two this year that were not in the U.S., but COVID really has put a damper on that for a while.
0: Uh, I want to finish up here quick. Uh, I, I'm not sure if I asked you this last time or not, but I uh, I want to I want to go there again and ask you what you're most proud of in your time at the PBR in in your 20. 20- over 20 years in the organization.
2: I think uh, I think that one just changed. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things that I, I'm proud that I've been able to be a part of or, or been, you know, primary contributor to. Uh, but I am most proud right now that the PBR team is going to be the sport that finished what they set out to finish at the beginning of 2020 because it's been the most challenging year of uh, anybody's lifetime, and especially for those of us in the inter- sports and entertainment business. And so being able to finish uh, 2020 with the vast majority of our regular season events under our belt, having fans and, you know, I guess, knock on wood, getting through the world finals at AT&T Stadium, uh, you can mark that as my proudest accomplishment. We, uh, you've
0: already told us once as well on, on your definition of cowboy shit, but it's kind of similar with be cowboy and, and kind of along those same lines. I I just want to, last time we talked about it, it was, you were out hunting and you had, you, I think you broke your, (laughs) broke a ankle or foot or got like you, something was bleeding and you had to walk back. It was sounded like quite the, quite the deal, but I just want to touch on that one again too, on, on your definition of cowboy shit.
2: Um, well, I'll, I'll, uh take the easy route and say, you know, what we accomplished this year. And in this case, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't slashing a hole in an artery and, and walking out of the, out of the woods, which is pretty cowboy shit, to to but, um, you know, but, uh, in this case, it was really the ingenuity, the education and the process that we had to go through to be, the first four back, and we didn't do it to be the first. We did it to get our industry back to work, and and that I think is cowboy shit. When you are faced with adversity, and oh, and you gotta make something happen, or or else, you know, or whether it's a life and death situation or a, a health and well being of your family situation. In this case, you know, my family is is thousands of people that depend on PBR events for for a living, and. And well, everybody's had to take a hit, and you know we've had to make some compromises and miss a few events here and there. Um, I think it's pretty cowboy shit that we kept our industry working and people getting paid in the face of the pandemic when most other people crawled under a rock.
0: I agree, Sean. Thanks for uh, thanks for doing what you're doing. Thanks for keeping us. Thanks for keeping the events going. I mean, I've seen you know, I, mean, I don't, I mean, I've got to call out rodeo in Canada. They, they crawled under the rock. They're gone. You know, like there's no rodeos in Canada this year and there's no structure. Like the only thing that's happened organized for Western sports in Canada is, is the PBR. So, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't mean to call out rodeo that way, but like they, they don't have the, they don't have the reason to even go. Like, like there's no, the structure is so flawed over there. I'm, I'm thankful that that you guys have built something that, it, that has a, has a structure that we can rely on to actually want to keep doing events.
2: Well, you know, I I, I alluded to this. I did Flint uh, Flint Rasmussen's podcast earlier in this week, but uh, and I told him the same thing I'll tell you. I think there's a whole other podcast on some of the economics around rodeo and why that's the case. Uh, you know, if you look at a lot of the big rodeos, they've become so dependent on concerts and trade shows, and a whole lot of other revenue-generating activity that the rodeos can't sustain by themselves as a sport. And so when you see Fort Worth and other events cancel, it's not because they can't conduct the rodeo. It's because they can't conduct the entire event that is critical to... To paying the bills and I think that that's a problem in rodeo that prCA just hasn't addressed as an as organization or the CPRA. it's it's a problem that that I think that the industry has to recognize they've got to listen to um, to whomever might come in and guide them on on the realities of their economic fortunes but this this is pandemics proven it that rodeo is a second fiddle to a whole lot of other stuff at these big of big events, community events, and that's a problem for an for the industry, for the sport. Not a problem for the western lifestyle, but it's a problem for the sport of rodeo. It, and they need to get out and fix it. And and we're doing some of that with WCRA. I mean, that's why we launched independent rodeos that don't have a concert afterwards to sell tickets. And
0: and I guess part of that goes back to the fact that it's 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 the organization. The PRCA is not in the business of producing rodeos they're basic they're they're it's like the the CPR up here they're in the business of administering rodeos and taking mm-hmm. entries they're where the pbr we put on our own events and it's a it's a the, we're in the business of putting on bull riding events and making it look the same everywhere we go around the world keeping that product level high where the prca they rely on these committees to do their own events and they basically are the you know sanctioning body and the administrators it's, it's a like you said, the the system is flawed and it needs to be needs to be fixed. And and one solution may be the WCA. That way, I I hope it is. It's uh, quite the yeah. I don't know that
2: it's the solution. I think it's uh, you know it's an investment in the sport of rodeo that should not be uh, dismissed as a competitor, but recognized as um, you know as an option and an alternative and a and an addition to. Um, the opportunities for rodeo contestants and, you know, unfortunately the industry is so jaded, egotistical and trenched in, you know, this history of, um, it's the most closed industry that I've ever had, uh, the misfortune of having to deal with, which is that's the way we do it. That's the way we've been doing it for years. I've been waiting for 50 years to get in charge of this thing. And now I'm not going to change shit. Yeah. Well, unfortunately that's going to be the decline of uh of of rodeo opportunities which affect the contestants who are the people that should be most cared for in the in the system not the not the rodeo committee and uh, local community. That, nothing against them. They just can't get out of their own way and the structure of the business isn't set up to to address it.
0: Well, the, the structure is basically it's a member organization and the members run it and it was I guess if you go back to the way that the PBR was first started, it could be could be said when it was when it was all bull riders in charge. That might have been, you know, the, the changes with the PBR didn't really happen until it until it moved away from that model and 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 the first actual uh, leadership was brought in and to be in a different format. Correct? Like, is that not how it kind of happened? It started out with the no, bull. I, a little no, I.
2: there's um, as long as I'm here, the. You know what's best for the bull riders will be at the center of all of our decision making um, as we grow the sport, and um, you know that's that's not going to change. But it really is just about the business structure and the economics. And and you say the is run by its contestants. It's not. It's run by a handful of influencers and the contestants, the stock contractors, the committees, and the staff that are hired and you know, they uh, they all have agendas that uh, that revolve around holding power in a declining industry as opposed to sacrificing that for the better good of the contestant. That's my opinion, but I'll stick to it because I've seen it happen for 22 years.
0: Absolutely. And we're over time here, so we better let you get on to your next, uh, next uh, meeting. Yeah, I got
2: another call. Okay. Thank you, Sean. I <laughs>
0: appreciate this. Thanks, guys. All the best with the finals this year. We'll talk again soon. He's the CEO of the PBR. Thanks again for t- spending our time with us here, uh, Mr. Sean Gleason. Back
1: after it.
2: this. Dr. Corporate, like approve memos, like lead a workshop, like remember birthdays, like direct workflow, like my own bathroom, like micromanage, like promote synergy. Can hold my breath
1: only for a little while until reality starts sinking in once again. I fucked it up I didn't mean to do that <laughs> <laughs> Oops Here try it You want me to do it over? Right, I'm just We're rolling <laughs> That's funny so, so I didn't really know That default song I'm a, I'm a part time fan that, I was like This I've never heard of oh, it I was trying to like Pull an audible And find something So I put Dallas <laughs> Smith And I accidentally clicked on Dallas <laughs> Smith So whatever Here it is This isn't even one of my favorite ones But whatever What's your favorite kind of pie? <laughs> oh, pecan, easy, hundred percent. Is it pecan or pecan?
0: Ah, my dad always called it pecans. It was like the southern way to say pecans. Hmm. I don't think it's pecan. I think like depending like, on where you're felt south, it's like pecan. Is it pasta or pasta?
1: I think pasta, but I'm Canadian. Like and I, heard, I used to get rinsed in Texas when I call it pasta.
0: So it's pasta down there. Oh yeah. So that's
1: I think it's the way they say their
0: a's, like pecan. Because it's, it's, it's not pecan, it's not pasta, it's pasta, mm-hmm. and it's pecan, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Instead of pecan, I don't know. It's like, it's different ways to say things. But it's like, being in Brazil, I remember being in Brazil one time, and it's like, we called it Sao Paulo, but down there it's Sao Paulo, like, it's like a different way to pronounce things, or like very the
1: fins. They call a sauna, a sauna, a sauna, sauna. That's how it's pronounced. Is that where sonk came from? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Sonk. <laughs> I just sonked you on the fucking default. <laughs>
2: <laughs> sonk.
1: That's good. That was a good sonk. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Right that's really good. It. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. This is a solid uh, whatever day it is today. Solid Thursday. Thanks for listening, <sighs> people. I- to all our bullshit, I people you know send us messages once in a while and they say they appreciate this part of the show. That's Somebody it, actually yeah. said they like our like casual intros, and I think it's a big, it's a fun part of the show that we just you know th- it gives mess good around. balance
1: because like, I think like sometimes the interviews will get like pretty, pretty professional, serious, serious, which is yeah. good. Like that's fine, that's what it's supposed like, to be. We talked to the, like the CEO of the PBR on this show and, and talking like, about sunking. I just <laughs> fucked up. I <laughs> fucked up the music <laughs> intro. <laughs>
0: But it's just real shit. Like we're nothing just,
1: but the best. You know, here. we just want to have real conversations. Talk about like pie and pecan and <laughs> pasta and pasta and <laughs> tomato tomato of things. Yeah, I like that. I um, think it's good too. It's fun.
0: And then we've got a really cool show coming up next. Actually, that uh, you know, not to take away from this show any, no. anything. Yeah, but uh, but somehow, so actually, so what happened was uh, I. Brad Wall followed me on Twitter some like not too long ago, and I don't I don't know why. Probably just because I kept calling him everybody's out.
1: favorite politician.
0: Yeah, I tried to keep in Canada for sure. And so we, I kept trying to get him on the show, like to get him and Coulter on the show, and I kept tagging them and stuff. And like Coulter never saw anything or whatever, mm. but whatever. Brad followed me on Twitter, so I'm, like I sent him a message like, Hey, do you want to be on the show sometime? Slits
1: you slid into, slit into his DMs. Slid into his
0: DMs into Brad Wall's DMs. And he, I'm, you, like, what was your opener? What was your opener? Monday. Do you like
1: have like a, like a cheeky opener like? You like send him an emoji of a dog, like, "Hey Max, get back here." Sorry, he's always running off doing those kind of things. <laughs> no, wasn't
0: that at all? <laughs> that's, no, one,
1: that's one I've used before. Not gonna lie.
0: I just, I just asked <laughs> him. It was like holiday Monday. I just asked him if he wanted to uh, wanted to be on the show, and asked him if he would do a show with Coulter. Right? Mm-hmm. He's like, "I don't think it'd be great." Maybe you know, we'll just go. You know, so but so anyways, he got me hooked up with with Coulter. He just sent me his number, so we got connected. And then I just called him on the phone. We had a good bullshit the other night for like a half an hour, mm-hmm. just talking about what we want to talk about. So yeah, I'm excited. We got Coulter Wall, sweet, yeah. episode 77. He's probably like one of the fat, one icon. of icon.
1: Rising country rising stars. stars. Yeah. Yeah. I may not hear him on the radio, but he's got a badass yeah, following. But screw the radio. We got... He's got all the... I don't even listen to the radio, man. Yeah. So let me see straight Spotify Let me guy. check something check, check some out real quick. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Let's see what just... Uh, even though and like guys like Jason Momoa have given him like outs on Instagram and yeah, shit. and they, like, I was reading huge. up on some stuff too. And uh, uh, Brock Lesnar, I think, originally had him on some of his playlists man. like back in the day. He's one point five million monthly listeners on Spotify.
0: Holy crap!
1: And then "Sleeping on the Blacktop" has forty five million streams. But can't can't put him on the radio, right? That's like, not mainstream. It's
0: goofy, hey. But it's been cool to see the play Big Iron. Uh,
1: Hashtag man i like that things. version i really and i really I like, like um cowpokes a really cool song i like that cowpokes
0: a lot. awesome awesome i like hula hands at the holiday inn that's a cool cool track my
1: favorite culture all songs caroline it's kind of a sad boy song but oh really i love it of course i love sad boy music of course <laughs> so i'm
0: really excited it about is that sad boy season oh it is and that's
1: okay. why i'm so sad
0: so that's 77 again 76 thanks for to pbr ceo for for putting up with our bullshit for for an hour on the show today yeah, this is a lot of fun. A lot of good topics, though. We had a lot of I think a really. There's really
1: like there's good value to that conversation. I, I, think, think, I so. think people. Like, I
0: don't. I don't think people ask them those questions very no, often. No. There's not a lot of inside folks. Like Flint is one. He just uh, he was on Flint's show. You know, Flint beat us by friend of our show the rest of our week. Yeah, but that's, it's okay. It's yeah. okay. Well, it's it's fine, but. But, uh, yeah, guest of our show, former guest of our show. But the, on the inside kind of things, it doesn't get talked about a whole People don't get ton. to hear that. Like, I think I And, don't pe- think and so. people
1: want to hear that. That's why, like, I think so. I think remember, great. like, the when HBO did the NHL um, Road to the Winter Classic or whatever? Yeah, uh, I like those. Yeah, inside it's, the dress names. It's exactly. Terrific. People don't have that access to it. And I think, given we're lucky with our platform, we can have access to those kind of people and then give them the access to that kind of conversation mm-hmm. that is... Like, or even, and, like, on... Yesterday on Twitter, I saw the Buffalo Sabers released the call when they were ch- trying to sign Taylor Hall. Like oh, in, really? the, in the war room, and P- you don't ever get to hear that. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, and it's so cool mm-hmm. as a fan to be able to hear that kind of stuff. So I think that the negotiations, and whatnot. Yeah, it's kind of cool. I think Taylor Hall should have smashed the table, even if he got
0: like a stunt person so to do it. Good. it'd be hilarious if he, even if he just had like a dummy threw on a table or like something just so like mm-hmm. it would have been hilarious instead of just saying that to go and you it'd know been so to, good. Like, he he could have done
1: it where he wouldn't have like hurt
0: himself. It went viral.
1: Yeah, could have, been a, could have been a great. Are you as an oiler fan? Are you happy with their offseason moves uh, with the Oilers? Yeah, um, <laughs> I don't know about the re signing of Mike Smith at like what forty Man, years old. They had a combined save percentage of eight ninety or something like Oof. that's that's like thirty. Po- like, it's Oof. like that's like point three point zero three or something below the league average. I think when they lost the Markstrom sweepstakes, they probably lowered their
0: expectations on some stuff. Well, Maybe. even they they pitched a Holtby too, and he said no. Really in yeah. and even being from Lloyd, that's kind of mm-hmm. wild. But mm-hmm. I guess it'd be so much pressure for him and being in, in
1: Edmonton. It probably he probably didn't want to f with that. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's tough. I like the tourist signing in Edmonton. I think that could be yeah. that could pay big for dividends cheap, for right? cheap. Yeah. yeah. And what about Puliari coming back? That's yeah. huge, that's man. Kind of interesting that's huge, it? And he it? lit it up in Finland last year, so I think he. That could might be work really out good. well. Yeah,
0: and that's one of those things where it was like tough coaching with the Shirelli, well, and, and the, I think the, the hard who was part it
1: before uh, uh, McClellan, I think.
0: Yeah, and just with the way – I don't know. With the way it went with them, they I don't think they utilized them or kept them down long enough brought them up too soon. It's well, I, kind I, of think that I hear a lot situation. of people talk
1: about with first-round draft picks, like there's so much pressure, pressure for them to come into the league and be, right away, and be effective. Right off the bat. With so yeah. many guys, there's different pathways to the NHL, even no matter where you're drafted. I think that's – people lose sight of that with the first round, so – what about you with Calgary? I'm happy. You're pumped about. I Markstrom. love man. I'm pumped about Marshall. I'm so pumped. It's he's, the first time. But what time about?
0: We, he's already 30 years old. Like he's gonna be 36 or 7 by the time that man, contract's if we, up too. If,
1: if we get four years of him at his best, three which or four I think, years, and I he's think, at his peak right now, you think? and you get and then you get two and then you get two years of him on the back end, where then that's where we have guys Maybe like Dustin Wolf in the system that could come and like mentor yeah. him. So I what think.
0: What about what about the fact that he's kind of new, like? his NHL miles are still
1: pretty low. Like he's a guy that's kind of hasn't been in the league at this high level for a super mm-hmm. long time. He reminds me somewhat of like, I'm trying to find a good compare, like a, like a Ben Bishop, maybe even like okay. a guy who he came, like he, when he was drafted to really high, like stock in him, or even Robert Liner is a good comparable too. Yep. um, they drafted like really high in the draft like it's kind of a weird path where they're at. And then it takes goalies so much longer to mature. So I think we're just seeing what Markstrom's capable of. So I hope that we get like his best in Calgary. I'm a little bit mixed in the Tano signing. He's kind of a, I'd say he's a downgrade from TJ Brody, but he's an upgrade from Travis Ham. Brody must have wanted more money. Yeah, it well, work. half a million more. That's all he wanted. Oh, he got hmm. getting five in Toronto, and they paid four point five for Taniv. So, hmm. uh, the, the, what they what I read is they were so focused on signing Markstrom, they're like, okay, hey, we're gonna get Markstrom done. Then we'll come back to you, TJ. But they already signed in Toronto. So. Oh,
0: so he could have waited. But, yeah, but he so, probably
1: want to go closer to home too. Maybe. Yeah, who knows? But I think I think uh, he'll get lit up in Toronto. Hate it. Oh man, he's gonna. <laughs> that's the that's. I, I think people. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. He's oh. he thought it was people think it was bad here for him. Some days that he's gonna get it. He's in gonna Toronto. hate it. In Toronto. But he's not that bad. But I think he had the. Yeah effective playing with Uncle Gio. So I'm sure. happy. It'll be, we need something in the top six for forwards, but that's down the road. Whatever. Yeah, I got
0: to, I got to say thanks to Casey Albert too, for making the interview happen with, with us. With and she's a hustler. She reached out to us. That was uh, maybe one of the first times that somebody's reached out to us about mm-hmm. being on the show. Mm-hmm. Besides uh, there's been a few different things that way, but I, I, I really appreciate Casey. She's a good friend and uh, thanks to you for making it happen. I appreciate that. Casey. Thanks a lot. Um, what else do we got here?
1: Keeping on Casey. Yeah. Rock and roll.
0: Oh, PBR, man. we got an event in GP coming up. And one at Tanner Burns House, the weekend that this show comes out. So PBR at Tanner Burns House, PA, actually at the Max Clooney Coliseum, on the 24th of October, then the week after. uh, we got a weekend off for Halloween. We're supposed to be in Yorkton, but it got canceled. So now we're going to uh, Grand Prairie. November. November 5th to 7th for PBR events. We've got a couple more coming back same week as the World Finals. So big week for bull riding. Going to get back on the road. And then... uh, then we will probably be shut down till, till winter. Till winter, is over. Winter, winter is, is, over. is coming.
1: It's buy our ski eat. passes.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna get some ski pants this weekend. Get ski are you pant. gonna get back on the skiing? I don't want skiing. I just want some ski pants. Then I'll think about skiing after that. I gotta get. I gotta so be, be prepared to be warm enough
1: to be to have the ski pants. So you're gonna buy some new ski pants and you're not gonna ski? Am I really? No, you, I'm probably gonna ski. I, I remember just, you I mentioning get, a couple winters ago that you wanted to ski rather than snowboard. Yeah, I haven't
0: got to that yet, but I I don't know. We'll see. Ski ski, ski gear is gonna be at a premium this year. Man, you can get... I, would imagine. Like, I
1: bought my skis used. They're in really good shape. I like got all mountains for like 150 bucks. Yeah. But I'll look into it. I enjoy skiing. I, still, I, I, like I don't more. mind my snowboard either. So we'll yeah. see. We'll see. I'll, I, I, yeah, I, I think we'll get out more this year. We'll see. I think that you're limited by... And snowboarding, you're limited because you got to like... Where kit- you can go... Well, yeah, because like there's like you gotta I'm using put put sunshine as my reference right together. now. Sunshine there's sucks for so many small flat parts. It so sucks many flat parts. Yeah, so. Louise
0: is better for for close to Calgary or Nikiska yeah. or something. Oh, I like skiing. Yeah. Yeah. I, we're thinking about bringing the ski race back. I don't know if it will be allowed to or not, but it'd be fun to bring that back. I don't know what that looks like, mm-hmm. but the cowboy ski race would be a lot of fun to get everybody. Maybe in this the winter. like spring ski might be more violent. Yeah, like, more maybe reasonable. like March April.
1: Mm-hmm. We'll see what what we can do for dates, but I mean, man, like, there's nothing beats like a bluebird ski day. It's so nice. It's pretty awesome,
0: but yeah, I don't know. I golfed a lot this year, too, so maybe i have to work this winter. But we'll play We'll play lots of hockey and, you know, go to some golf simulators. Some golf sims. There's a like driving range
1: that's open all the time.
0: Yeah, exactly. Okay, uh, so I guess this is it. Thanks again to uh, Sean Gleason for being on the show this week. I guess uh, next show we'll run down a few uh, World Finals predictions because it'll be out the Wednesday, the World oh, Finals. Shit. Um, yeah, and we'll Thank go from you. there.
1: Don't forget to get your merch.
0: Yeah, cowboyshit.ca. Just got the new site up and rolling. It's all... Integrated with the podcast Grimace. and the it's merch. Coming. Christmas on the way. Uh, again, we'll be back with Coulter Wall for episode number 77. Thanks for listening to Cowboy Shit <laughs> with Ted and Wasey. I'm just stretching because Wasey's finding another song. Oh, uh, fuck. But yeah, thanks again, Casey Albert, Mr. Sean Gleason, the CEO of the PBR, uh, Wasey Anderson, my co host, our editor, Sean Morton. Again, this has been episode fuck 76. I love this song. Cowboy Shit with Ted <laughs> and Wasey. This isn't default, but it's Dallas Smith. Draft. Drop. It starts. I missed the timing on that one. That's me. Here it is. Drop. Everything you do in drop a needle on the groove and dance with me slow like Times Square, New Year's Eve. Yeah. Think I heard a drop on the tin roof, baby. Drop those blinds. What you say we drop? Drop what we
2: Right.